Hey, everybody. This is P. Norman Grant with Slim Jim in another episode of the Grapefruit Agenda. Reporting and analyzing the news in Indian River County, the state of Florida, the U.S., and whatever else is out there in the universe. We squeeze in some fun facts and opinions in less time than it takes to drive to your ballot drop box. Why grapefruit? Well, we're sweet on conservatism and sour on liberalism. We care about what's going on around us and how the modern media mob delivers their take on things. And we take them to task when we can. So squeeze in and share a grapefruit agenda. Today's episode is the Multiculti Bullets. Multiculti Bullets, as found on the U.S. Marines' new image for saluting Pride Month with the multiple colored bullets on the top of the helmet, the Marine helmet, and the band that goes around the helmet. And the words are now proud to serve, proud to serve on the Marine helmet with the six Multiculti Bullets. All different sweet colors. Looks like a Halloween mask turned on upside down. But here's the Marines. The Marines are saluting. I don't know what they're saluting. It just says pride. It says this. In a tweet, the Corps showed images of a standard issue bullets painted in rainbow colors placed in the strap of a combat helmet. On the strap are the words proud to serve, as I just said. The tweet read, this is from the United States Marine Corps. Throughout June, the United States Marine Corps takes pride in recognizing and honoring the contributions of our LGBTQ service members. Where's the plus? No plus there? We remain committed to fostering an environment free from discrimination and defend the values of treating all equally with dignity and respect. Well, that's nice to know. Had they not been doing that? Were there any complaints? Commanding officers thrown in jail for dissing possibly LGBTQ people. Haven't heard about it. I would have read it. But this is just, I guess, an affirmation. An affirmation of being gay and being proud. But in this case, you're in the military. In a foxhole. Fighting the enemy. Sweating on each other. With (laughs) AK-47s. With automatic weapons in the foxhole. So you better be friendly with your partner, but don't be that friendly. you got the enemy out there, of course. So I'm just comparing this uh, this symbol, because it really has become a symbol, the pride symbol on the helmet of the United States Marine. You know, having just seen Top Gun Maverick, it imbues you with a lot of patriotism. It's amazing, amazing scenes of these jets, 680 miles an hour, going through these ravines, and they, they had to pick from about 12, 14 people which pilots were going to be the last ones to go? The, the ones who are actually going to do the attack. They're attacking. It looked like it's an Iranian uh, nuclear facility, actually. I think they they said the word Iranian, and they slipped it in there somehow. Uh, we don't want that to be too exposed to the Iranians. They might get mad at us. But we had to stop this nuclear facility. And so they were going to boil it down to about 12 or 14 people to four. Now, of course, Tom Cruise was a little too old to go. So he was going to have to lead these people. He was training these people. Now, the people who he was training were all pretty diverse, diverse ethnically. I'm not sure if they're diverse spiritually or uh, intellectually. Don't know if they were diverse sexually or gender-wise. I mean, they did have you know, two or three black guys and two or three Hispanic guys, one girl, a woman, and she may have been gay. I don't know. 
It didn't matter. No one's complaining about it. We don't care who pees standing up, do we? Just that they can fly a jet at 680 miles an hour under the radar of the supposed Iranian enemies and do the thing. They have to bomb. They had to bomb some nuclear facility. So we don't care. We don't care about their gender or their color. We do care about their background. We do care about their skill, which is the whole point here. So when I, when I come back that night and I see the marine helmet with the colors, proud to serve, it reminds me of my time having seen helmets like this. In Vietnam, they had these bands around the helmets. And remember the band? They, they, they always wrote something on the band. You know, welcome home, welcome to Vietnam and all that. One was great. It was join the army, travel to exotic places, meet interesting people and kill them. It was kind of heartening. That was kind of heartening in Vietnam, right next to the PX, seeing these guys fresh from being out in the boonies with their motto. Now it's the motto. The motto is proud to serve. We have, we have um, turquoise and fuchsia and um, coral and yellow, two different kinds of yellow bullets. They look like M16 bullets. Could be two two four caliber. I'm not sure. But these are, these are automatic weapon bullets. So this is the message. The message from the Marines is... I don't know what the message is. Who's proud? Why do we need the proud? I think we're proud already. You're proud of being in the Marines. So you're proud to serve. Of course you're proud to serve. Or you wouldn't have the helmet on. You wouldn't have the helmet on unless you were proud. And so we, then you're double proud. You have super pride. Okay. But we have to include everyone. This is the, this is the issue that's facing us these days. Grapefruiters, we have to have inclusion, diversity, and equity. It's the current administration, the current culture war that's going on. We have to have equity and inclusion and diversity in all facets. I'm not sure. Are we all supposed to have the same size feet in the boots? Should we all hit the target at the same rate? It's uh, it's kind of kind of questionable when I see that there needs to be equity, that everything turns out equal. That means that all the people in Top Gun would have been going at the same time to attack the nuclear target. But that cannot be. Only four were chosen. So which ones would it be? Would it be equitably distributed? Would it be equal opportunity? Well, there was equal opportunity. There was equal opportunity and some made it and some didn't. If equity were to, to rule, they all would have gone and they all would have crashed inside the chasm where they were trying to sneak up on the Iranians because then all would have had to go. And maybe all would have died because of equity. So I wonder... How valuable equity is. We, we like pride. Pride is a good thing. Equity? Not so sure. So where do they have these places in the military where you can't feel pride? You got your pride. You have your pride. Slim Jim uh, and I went to a school in New Jersey, a boarding school, actually. And recently I was there uh, unconsciously writing a check to their, to their alumni association and I'm looking at a picture of recent activities, and one of the activities they had was a visit from a group of drag queens sitting on the stage at Geiger Reeves Hall, the very hall where we learned theater and art, and um, they had great plays, good school, good academics and good theater arts. They had uh, extemporaneous uh, speeches and political speeches, and, and the arts of rhetoric was going on. Now we have... Four drag queens. And I think one of the kids was on the stage, too. I, I don't know if that was a student or not. But I, I, I sent a text back. I said, what's going on here? What is up with this? What happened? 
And somebody live was answering the text, and she took uh, took the message amiss. I think she took a little offense at my questioning, why are these people on the stage at Geiger Reeves? And she automatically became defensive. And she was inferring that I was offensive by asking, what up with this? So she said in a text, with all the hate in the world, we decided we should have some semblance of peace and identity. We need to have the identity of our genders. And we have to have them affirmed. And apparently, the subtext, the sub-message here, Grapefruiters, is if you don't like it, you must be part of the hate. So I wrote back to her, well, if you feel that you have all this hate in the universe, maybe you should see somebody there. Maybe they have counselors there. She said, with all the hate in this world, we had to invite these people here to show that we love cross-dressers, transgenders, drag queens, part of the education of a fancy prep school. And then, and then I see at Mr. Tucker Carlson's show the other night, I think it was the same night, and he says there are, it's the queer, is it the queer space force or is it queer space? So it looks like there is a woman who is in charge of the Space and Air Force's LGBTQ task force. Now, after trying to fit in equity and inclusion and diversity into the, I think they're F-18s, the F-18 fighter jets, if we're, talking about, we're going to fit the DEI into those jets, could be a problem. Now we're going to fit the DEI into space, the U.S. Space Force that Mr. Trump developed a few years ago. And it seems like it's actually becoming more and more necessary. As we see now, the Chinese are launching a space lab and a space station. There seems like an actual need for it. Now, who we have in charge of the Space Force, a couple of generals, there's sort of unbeknownst to us. But what we do have is publicity around the person in charge of the LGBTQ task force. And this is comforting. This is a Major General, Leah Lauterbach, speaking at a virtual roundtable on Wednesday morning. Dr. Leah, Major General Leah Lauterbach, Director of Intelligence, Surveillance, and Reconnaissance for the U.S. Space Force. She was explaining how we need the DEI. And her explanation was something like this. She was explaining her new project, one that isn't exactly about the satellites or spy stuff that make up her main job. It's called LIT for the Lesbian, Gay, Bisexual, Transgender, and Queer Questioning Initiative team inside the Space Force. The vision, she said, is to be the light that illuminates the path toward change, acceptance, and equality for all of those that came before us and those that will come after us. And again, sounds pretty rational to me. In April, Air Force officials announced that they had created both the LIT and the Indigenous Nations Equality Team as part of the larger Barrier Analysis Working Group. Barrier Analysis Working Group. So there must be a barrier. We're trying to figure out what that barrier is. It seems to be a self-imposed barrier, but she's in charge of it. She's in charge of the Space Force BOG, B-A-W-G. That is comforting. She says, the military is an all-volunteer force. We need to recruit the best and the brightest and those that are passionate to serve. We need a diverse workforce, one that resembles the American public, and creating an inclusive environment helps to ensure that we retain that talent. Now, is it talent or is it diversity? 
So just because it's diversity, does that mean it has the best talent? In Tom Cruise's workforce, in his latest Top Gun, was he looking for diversity of gender, spirituality, sexuality, race? Was he looking for that, or was he looking for talent? So she says that because we have an inclusive environment, inclusive environment for, in this case, gender identity, that that's the best way to have talent. Now, I'm trying to figure that out, Slim Jim. If we have inclusive in, an inclusive environment because these people are of diverse gender identity, does that parallel? Is that equal to talent? That's debatable. No, it's not. He's, <laughs> Slim Jim is shaking his head, often, often confused with nodding, but no, it's shaking his head. An inclusive environment, okay? So she's with the Lesbian Initiative team, the BAWG, Barrier Analysis, okay? But that was not always the attitude at the Department of Defense, as Ladderbeck says. She entered the Air Force the same year Don't Ask, Don't Tell went into effect. I have firsthand knowledge of what it means to work in a non-inclusive environment. Great readers, we know what this lingo is. A little bit of lingo, as Rush used to say. Non-inclusive environment. Why weren't people included? I mean, if they weren't telling, then they would have been included. And if they told, would they not have been included? Were people kicked out of the space while well, the Space Force just formed? Were people kicked out for being gay recently in the last 20 years, 30 years? I'm not sure. She says, I have a firsthand knowledge. Okay. So it was personally upsetting and challenging and demeaning at times. She said, I put my, deserve, my desire to serve the nation above my desire to live a normal life. So it wasn't normal being in the military anyway. So she goes on to say um, that they were still scared to her. People were under her. The people that served under her, they were still scared to come out of the closet. Maybe this isn't as good for everybody as it has been for me. She came out of the closet and was a role model for all the people who felt to be inclusive. So I wanted to see if there was a need for the group. So she said last fall she began probing, and this spring LIT went live, Lesbian Initiative. So comforting we have this in the Space Force. We want all airmen and guardians to feel a sense of belonging. So this guy named Adams from the Carl Castro, he's Carl Castro from the University of Southern California, and she's part of the Military Acceptance Project. We have to accept all the people with a different colored ammo on their helmet. And so he said some of the hardest work is addressing the concerns of disparate members. So if there's LGDPQ plus Maybe the, maybe the lesbians don't care for the gays. And the gays have questions about the transvestites. And the transvestites might have problems with the bisexuals who don't like the queers. And the pluses, uh, I don't know, they, they love trees or something. What is, is it, there are tree, tree lovers, disparate members. There are very different groups, he said. And we think of them as homogenous. But not really. He said, in the main, LGB service members are doing pretty good, Castro continues. They could do better, but they're not doing that bad. Not sure, quite sure what kind of quality analysis that is. Things are more difficult and different for trans people who, for instance, currently need permission from a commander to start transitioning. So would people raise eyebrows if they asked their commander for permission to transfer their body parts? They need to go through a transitioning, a physical transitioning, but they don't want to have any attention spent on them. I wouldn't look askance at these people who came to the commanding officer and said, you know, I really need to have my Johnson chopped off, and I, 
I need to transition into, or the other way around. What is the other way around? You need to add, have a Johnson added. Yeah, exactly. You have to, you have to add a Johnson. So uh, <laughs> this transition is difficult to, to keep between uh, each other. Are you going to keep it behind the curtains? I'm not sure. The military has a vested interest in making all of these groups feel welcome. Their main priority is readiness and the readiness of the military to act in any moment. Okay, so the acceptance, the military acceptance project leader. When you have communities that experience being left out, being marginalized, being treated differently, it makes it difficult for people to feel like they're able to operate in a unit. Let me ask you, Slim Jim, if you know someone who used to have a Johnson and now does it, goes to a different bathroom, would you be thinking that they might be treated differently? I think it's I think it's a given. Yeah, I would expect so. He's nodding his head again. Thank you, Slim Jim. It makes it difficult for people to feel like they're able to operate as a unit, I would assume. So LBGTQ service members specifically don't want to be treated differently. No, they don't want to be treated differently, but if they get their Johnson excised, they don't want to be treated differently. Okay. According to his research, this guy says, their measure, their measure of equity was, judge me on the job I do, not if I pee standing up. No, that doesn't say that. <laughs> or he says, people told him, the reason I feel supported in my unit is because it's a non-issue. No, how could it be an issue if you're surgically surgically chained from what God gave you? Hard to accept, grapefruiters. But here it is with Pizza Hut. Pizza Hut's chiming in, too. They have, they have their own policy of drag kids. Did you know about, do you know about this? I think, I think Slim Jim does know about this. The Pizza Hut pushes back about drag kids to children as young as pre-K. Backlash is swift and hot. So Slim Jim, you told me that you did, did you actually did get a free pizza by reading one of these books. One Absolutely. Time. You got it with sausage and onions. Pizza Hut has finally gone woke and is facing a boycott after it featured a highly controversial book with a little boy who dresses in drag that is aimed at children as young as four years old. The pizza chain has a reading club called Book It. That has been in existence since 1984. The program awards children certificates from their school for reading books. Those certificates can then be turned in for free pizza. What a deal. What a scam. The problem is that they have now come up with a book by Jonathan Hillman called Big Wig. It's a story of a little boy who likes to dress in drag. Well, isn't that nice? So you have a five-year-old kid reading a story about a little boy who's going to be putting lipstick on and a big wig to get a pizza. The inclusion of the book is for Pride Month. According to Pizza Hut. Do you see where the Pride Month is going here, folks? We have Memorial Day that's one day. Memorial Day for the Marines who died in combat, one day. But we have Pride Month. And we give away books to people who read about transvestite kids. Are we understanding this? When a child dresses in drag to compete in a neighborhood costume competition, he becomes B.B. Bedazzle. A key part of B.B. Bedazzle's ensemble is a wig called Wig. Together, they are an unstoppable drag queen team. And who would want to stop them? Stop them from doing what? Unstoppable. Fierce, fierce drag queens in elementary school, people. But Big Wig feels inadequate compared to the other bigger wigs. And when Wig flies off BB's head, she goes from kid to kid, instilling confidence and inspiring dreams in those who wear her. People, this is Pizza Hut. This is Pizza Hut's book list. Summer reading. Read Big Wig. It encourages kids to dress up, put lipstick on, and change genders. This is our America, folks. This is our America. This is the Grapefruit Podcast with Pete Norman Grant and Slim Jim. And keep it straight out there, people. Keep it straight. Till next time, squeeze in a Grapefruit Podcast whenever you can.